Okay, let's, uh, if you got your Bible, turn to the book of Numbers, and the Lord help willing, we're going to finish up Numbers tonight. Be in chapter 35. Uh, just kind of to catch you up, uh, we uh, talked last week about uh, about the tribes and the separation of the tribes and how nine and a half tribes is on the west side of Jordan and two and a half tribes is on the east side of Jordan. Who remembers the uh, two and a half tribes that were on the east side of Jordan? Who are they? Reuben, half tribe of Manasseh, and Yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, and so they were. They stayed on this side. And remember, they had to go across and help them. Uh, uh, they promised to go across and help them conquer the land of Canaan. Uh, uh, and, and they were going to leave their wives and children on that side of Jordan, on the <clears throat> on the east side of Jordan. And uh, uh, Moses had uh, already turned power over. Actually, uh, was was told them that Joshua, the son of Nun, would be the one that would lead them into the Canaan. Uh, Moses wouldn't be going with them. And that Eleazar was the high priest who had taken Aaron's place and had died earlier. Uh, and they had already picked one prince from every tribe uh, to help issue the land and take care of all this, the legal issues when all this came to pass. And uh, so uh, when it came time to divide the inheritance, it was going to be left up to these people to do that. And so everything is, uh, has, uh, is kind of going in on schedule. And uh, you think, well, it's going to be right now right around the corner uh, because the Lord's already told Moses you ain't going to go. But the Lord allows Moses quite a bit of time after he tells him this. Matter of fact, he hasn't written the book of Deuteronomy just yet. So... <laughs> There's a, a lot of time that's going to go by, say several days or months even, uh, while he was still going over the thing from them. And so uh, the last part of Numbers uh, that he wants to address is uh, the cities that the Levites are going to get. Now, we already know that the Levites are not going to get any land. Okay, <coughs> They're not going to be eligible. They're not even counted. The only reason they have 12 tribes of Israel is because Joseph is two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, Joshua is uh, the lead, the new leader, is from Ephraim, as was uh, was uh, prophesied by Jacob when he he met uh, when he blessed him. And uh, those are things that came out in the scripture that if you're not not studying the word, you'll miss those things. So somebody read for me, if you would, uh, in chapter 35. Uh, the first eight verses, please. On the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to give the Levites towns to live in from the inheritance the Israelites will possess, and give them pasture lands around the towns. Then they will have towns to live in and pasture lands for the cattle they own, all their other animals. The pasture lands around the towns that you give the Levites will extend a thousand cubits from the town wall. Outside the town, measure 2,000 cubits on the east side, 2,000 on the south side, and 2,000 on the west side, and 2,000 on the north, with the town in the center. They will have this area as pasture lands for the towns. Six of the towns you give the Levites will be cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone may flee. In addition, give them 42 other towns. In all, you must give the Levites 48 towns together with their pasture lands. The towns you give the Levites from the land the Israelites possess are to be given in portion to the inheritance of each tribe. 
take many towns from a tribe that has many, but a few from one that has few. Okay, so we see that God is a God of order. He's a God of organization. Uh, God does not mind us having government uh, to take care of the uh, thing. Now remember, we're not talking about the same kind of government we have now. We're not talking about people who take bribes and under money, take one of the money that are that are vile and and, and filthy and immoral. Uh, and and you say, well, they're not. Yeah, they are. Look at the laws they pass. Yeah, they're exactly the way we describe them now. They're worthless to us as far as Christianity goes. So he's talking to a people here that he wants to form a government to do uh, the the uh, the truth of his word to carry out the, the functions that he's uh, asked them to do that that's what the way government ought to act anyway and so uh, this is a and i didn't mean to start on this but anyway uh the first thing he wants them to do is to make sure they take care of the levites now i don't want to toot the horn for the preachers and stuff around here because i'm a preacher and it don't sound right when i do that but we have a responsibility to take care of our pastors. We have a responsibility to take care of people uh, that are in ministry and uh, in, in, in churches. They have a right to be compensated uh, for their work. Uh, God ordained it to be that way. These people didn't do anything else. And everybody's not listed as part-time like I am. But, uh, but you know, that this is where... Uh, we get that we have parsonages and things like that in, the, in churches that can afford them and, and they, they make a, a place for their preachers and they make a place for their preachers' families and uh, so this is something that God had ordained way, way back when in the beginning when he uh, separated the Levites uh, from the rest of them. He said, I want you to be a people who take care of my temple. I want you to be a people that take care of the transportation of my temple. I don't want anybody else doing any of it. I want you to do it all. And, 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 and I want you to focus on taking care of what I've told you to do. And, and that's the way he left it. Now that they're going to have land and they're going to, they're going to go into the, the, this promised land, he wants to make sure that these Levites have cities to dwell in. Now, the, the, the picture we get here is that the Levites... Levites are going to have their own personal city. Nobody else be living there but Levites. And that's not what happened. And I don't think that's the way God intended it to begin with. But what he did do was he gave them cities that were for, for them to be able to raise their animals that were going to be used in sacrifices and also raise the crops and stuff that it took to feed them. Because they didn't have feed stores and stuff like we do now. So they had to raise all that stuff to take care of these animals. And so he, he gave them certain uh, size cities for them to be able to do that. Later on, we're going to find out that, that they would be labeled a Levite of the tribe of Simeon or a Levite of the tribe of Judah. So they got absorbed into the tribes and, and they, they, they kind of lost their identity except for Levite. Okay? They weren't known as a tribe. They were known as Levites of a tribe. And so the cities that they came into and were allowed to come into uh, allowed them, if you'll remember, uh, Jerusalem in the day of Christ, uh, they had boundaries outside the city wall where they had these animals and stuff even at that time. And so this is, uh, when you look at this and the Lord uh, shows them uh, what they're going to have, they, he said, I want you to give them cities to dwell in and I want you to give them suburbs. Now what's a suburb? It's a city. 
It's out, it's the outskirts of the city, the outer limits of the city. I want you to give them, he called these, uh, these things suburbs, and they will reach, uh, the, I want you to give them a thousand cubits from the wall of the city out. And, and so this, that, that don't sound like a whole lot. Uh, we're going to, the cubit, the, the one that they used most of the time was uh, what we call a, a, a big cubit, is 18 inches, okay? It's, a, it's from the elbow to the end of the fingers plus a hand's breadth is what it is. It figures about 18 inches uh, if you put a tape measure to it. And so this is the type of cubit that we're talking about here. He gave, also gave them the size of the city that he wanted them to have. From the center of the city, they went in all four directions, 2,000 cubits. Now, that don't sound like a whole lot, does it, for a city? until you look at the size of that. When you look at 2,000 cubits and you multiply that times 18 inches, you wind up with 3,000 feet. What, about half a mile points? It, it's over a half a mile. 5,280 feet is a mile, so it's over a half a mile in every direction. And so what, what they, they did then outside the wall, they had 1,000 feet, so the outer, uh, since there was a thousand feet around the wall on the top, a thousand feet around the wall on, on each side, every direction was two thousand feet. It was a two thousand foot uh, square, is what it amounted to. And in, uh, I, I went to figure in my little pea brain today. I thought, well, does anybody know how many square feet in one acre? Forty-three thousand five hundred fifty-six. You may be right, 43,560 yeah, square yeah, feet in right. one acre. Yeah. All right, so what they had, uh, when you put a pencil to this, they had 9 million <coughs> square feet. That's a lot, isn't it? That's what they had. And so if you divide this 43,560 square feet into that, you wind up with a, a city of 206 and a half acres is what it winds up being. And so they, they, you're talking about a pretty good bit of land. And that was around every city, right? Pardon? That was around every city? No, that was that was the city that was issued specifically for them. They only had certain cities that they gave them, and what, what he just read is each uh, that they were gonna wind up with uh, 48 cities total. So it would be around the those 48 cities? The, the cities would be this size if they weren't there. Now you remember, these cities that they were going to get were already built. So they were going to inherit cities. They were going to go in here and kill all these people and these cities were going to already be established and be there. And so they were going to be able to take a city and if it wasn't already this size, they were allowed to make it this size. And they, they had the leeway to do it if it was too, if it was a, uh, they could they could do a thousand feet outside the wall or anywhere they wanted to do it as long as they had a place to, to do their cattle. But now also the Lord uh, made a, an arrangement for them to have what they call cities of refuge. He said, I want you to have six cities of refuge. And so he added them to the 42 cities that was already given to the Levites from the other tribes. Okay? Now, does anybody know where the were the cities granted to them on both sides of Jordan or just one side of Jordan? Both sides. Okay, the, the, so the Levites had access to either or. They had access to both sides because the way they were established with these cities, 
they went by population and the tribes that had the larger populations or the more cities and the land that they inherited would be responsible for giving more cities to the Levites. That's what it says when it says they that them that have many shall give many and those that have few shall give few. So God's distribution system said those that have a lot more than everybody else are going to give more than everybody else. Those that don't have much they don't have to give that much, okay? He wanted to kind of to kind of level the playing field for everybody. And, and what you see here is what we call a democracy today. Actually, a democracy today is a mockery of the democracy that God set up. But it's a, a, this is what we would call a, a democracy by true definition. That, uh, that uh, those that had a lot gave a lot and those that had a little. It's the same thing with tithing. Uh, you know, the 10% fits everybody. Okay, you make $100, you give 10. If you make $1,000, you give 100. And so the ones that made the most gave more. And, and so he, went, he goes by percentages in the tithes. And so, uh, uh, so this is the way God did this. And he made these uh, city of refuge. Does anybody know what the city of refuge is? Okay, it's a place where people flee to if they accidentally kill someone. Okay. Unintentionally. Unintentionally kill Now, now you got to have understand sanctuary city. They were sanctuary cities and there was going to be six of them and they're, and they're spaced out and, and geographically from north, central, south on both sides of the Jordan River. There's three on one side of the Jordan River and three on the other side spaced out so a person in any geographical location, it, I mean if you if you kill somebody close to that city you could get there quick. If you were far away, then you'd have to go a distance. So they put them, they spaced them out where it would kind of be where everybody would have access to them. What kind of law did they have as far as death? If you accidentally kill somebody, you go to the sanctuary city and you stay there until judgment's passed on you. What kind of law did they have though? Yeah, they had two witnesses. Yeah, two witnesses. They had an eye for an eye. That's exactly what they had. They had an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. There was no such thing as accidental homicide to them. The, 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 law, the law was there. It had no mercy. Now listen to me. Jesus taught this. The, the, the law only called attention to the, the lawbreaker it had no way to, to show him mercy or judgment. Or, and so God has started this process even now that he's fixing to start showing judgment and mercy uh, to, to people, okay? Now, we already learned earlier, uh, and I don't remember now which book, I think it was in the book of uh, Numbers, maybe in Exodus, where we find out that, that God is a God of capital punishment. God believes in capital punishment. God gave us capital punishment. Amen? Amen? He, he, God don't like for someone to murder someone else. He don't like somebody to just do useless, senseless killing. Alright? And so uh, so this is what these cities of refuge are for. And uh, so and, and there are six of them. And uh, so, so this is uh, this is what uh, what he has told them to do as far as the Levites. Now the Levites were in control of the cities of refuge or the sanctuary cities as well as the other 42 cities that they had where they were allowed to raise their cattle, uh, their sheep, their goats, everything that could be sacrificed. That means they also had turtle doves, they had pigeons, 
Uh, they had all kinds of things, and they were leaving grain offerings and other things that poor people couldn't afford uh, the animals that they, they, they could do a, a grain offering. And they called it a meat offering, but it was a grain offering. And so they had all of these things at their disposal that these Levites raised and furnished for people. And if you'll remember when Jesus Christ came to Jerusalem, uh, we, we find out that they had turned it into a lucrative business and that they were not uh, sacrificing the best animals anymore. In fact, this happened way before Jesus when they started sacrificing less than perfect animals and they were making money hand over fist and they had a business out of it and instead of doing it for the glory of God. And so he, he told them, he said, I'm going to do these, uh, these, uh, these cities of refuge. That, uh, and so we're fixing to look now in verses 9 through 21, the laws regarding murder are the laws regarding death. Somebody read that for me, please. Verses 9 through 21. <coughs> said, and then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select for yourselves cities to be your cities of refuge, that the manslayer who has killed any person unintentionally may flee there. The city shall be to you as a refuge for the avenger, so that the manslayer will not die until he stands before the congregation for trial. The cities which you are to give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan. They are to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the sons of Israel and for the alien and for the sojourner among them that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. But if he strikes him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer, the murderer shall surely be put to death. If he strikes him down with a stone in the hand by which he will die, and as a result he died, he is a murderer, the murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he strikes him with a wooden object in the hand, by which he might die. And as a result, he died. He is a murderer, the murderer shall surely be put to death. The blood avenger himself shall put the murderer to death. He shall put him to death when he meets him. If he pushes him, uh, uh, him for hatred or throws something at him, lying in wait, and as a result, he died, or if he struck him down with his hand, the enemy, and as a result, he died, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The blood of Israel shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. Okay, so we, we hear a lot of terminology here that we're really not really familiar with uh, today. Uh, one of them is uh, talking about killing a person, is talking about the manslayer. The manslayer is the person who kills someone else, whether accidentally or on purpose. He is a manslayer. He has killed a person. Now, we have different terminologies today. We have first degree murder, second degree murder, and manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, This, which is what he's talking about here. Is that we, we kind of added some, uh, some other things, and, and it's weird to me the way we did it. Uh, you know, if, if you, uh, uh, if you got mad at somebody and, and the law thinks it was good enough reason, it's, uh, it's manslaughter. 
is first-degree murder or premeditated murder, which is what first-degree is. If you plot out and plan out and, and spend a week or two plotting and planning and catch this person and kill them, that's premeditated murder or first-degree murder. I don't know exactly what qualifies second-degree murder. Uh, just, I guess if you're just sitting there talking to somebody and make you mad and you kill them, that's second-degree murder. It's not premeditated. So anyway, we, you know, our, our laws and our, our judicial system has come up with all kinds of excuses. To, you know, I used to hear if you want to kill somebody, kill them in Cass County, you'll never be convicted. You ever heard that? And may hear the same thing about Bowie County. Uh, but uh, but anyway, it's not nothing to do with our police officers. Not it's more our judicial system, and the and slick talking attorneys than it is anything else that can twist people's words around. And and uh, and it's okay to me that that we do need when we if we're going to accuse somebody of that that uh, that they must prove that they're guilty. Now, if you'll notice in our in, in our last few years. That uh, innocent until proven guilty is starting to go by the wayside. Amen? You don't have to be proven guilty anymore. You can be assumed guilty in the public opinion says they believe you're, the assumption you're pretty much uh, toast. Okay? Especially if the news media gets a hold of it and runs with it. You're toast. And so, uh, so the, the, this has all changed. God didn't like it being that way. He didn't want it that way. He wanted it to be done fairly. And so he, he, he made laws regarding murder and what instituted murder. He gave these six refuge cities. Who, who was uh, eligible? Was it was the cities of refuge just for the Jewish people? No. No. The, the, the stranger or the person that was not a Jew that lived amongst them was also eligible because they could get in trouble too. And, uh, and so it says uh, in verse 15, the stranger and the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. Now, the other term that we, we find here is, uh, is uh, what they call him, uh, the person that the family picked to kill him. The avenger of blood. Yeah, the, the, the avenger of blood. Now, uh, we call that vigilante now. Uh, back then, it was a legal thing that uh, that they had uh, someone in the family that could be the avenger of blood. Usually, the one in the family that was the avenger of blood was the baddest, the baddest one in the family. The one they assumed was the baddest one, the one that had the guts to do it. Uh, they were probably usually pretty good with a sword or, or something like that. They, they were good at fighting. And so they, they had a, an avenger of blood that when somebody was killed and the, and the law was an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, then that avenger of blood would seek them out. Now he even has rules for this to take place. All this seems really Greek to us, doesn't it? And foreign to us, but these are God's rules that he lays down. So the first thing he wants to do is for them to be able to determine what's murder and what's not murder, okay? so. I, I, I got tickled, it ain't funny, but it, it, I got a little amused looking at this. He said if he smite him with an instrument of iron so that he died, he was a murderer. And I, I just pictured somebody, you know, with a chop axe, an iron axe, and they go up there and whack somebody on top of the head and say, I didn't mean to kill him. Sorry. You know, that's kind of the way we are today. You have somebody walked up there with a nine millimeter and shoots them eight or nine, I didn't mean to kill him. We hear that all the time, don't we? Well, the Lord said uh, we're not going to listen to that. 
And a slick talking lawyer can make the jury believe that. Devil made me do it. Well, you know, Devil made me do it. He didn't list, uh, you know, of course now we have uh, insanity plea. Now he didn't mention that, he didn't did he? Mention that. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, because he believes the person's accountable for themselves and responsible for themselves. Okay, so the first thing he did, he said, if they strike him with an instrument of iron, that, that would include an axe, a sword, uh, uh, you know, whatever they use, those things they have with the big balls on it, the spikes on it. If you hit somebody with that, you pretty much made up your mind before you warped them with it, you want to kill that person. Iron skillet? Yeah, yeah iron skillet. Yeah, that would qualify, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, if, if he uh, if he throws a stone, well, you know what? That was the accepted way of killing people yeah. back then. They stoned them to death. Mm -hmm. And so, if you pick up a big rock and hit somebody on the on the noggin, you pretty much had the intent to kill them. And the Lord said that if you pick up a, a something of iron and strike them, or you or you throw a stone, you know, <laughs> if you throw a, it, it ain't like. Of course, David, I don't know how big the rock David killed Goliath with. It wasn't very big. It'd go in a slingshot. Okay? And so he, so he didn't say the size of the stone. He just said if you throw the stone at him and, and hit him, uh, and uh, that, that you are considered a murderer. If you, uh, if you use a uh, weapon made of wood, in other words, if you take a baseball bat to somebody, you pretty much meant to kill him. Uh, you know? Axe handle. Something like that, or just pick up a big club like like they were probably used back in them days, and you beat somebody with it. You had the intention to kill them, and uh, and so that uh, uh, you're a murderer. And all three of them things right there would qualify somebody as a murderer, and and so they they didn't really have a defense. And then it says then in verse 19 that the revenger of blood himself gets to kill this murderer. Okay. Now, that's what we call vigilante justice today, and that's against the law now, okay? But uh, at that time, but there was rules, and, uh, and so and look at some of the rules here. Now, the, the revenger of blood shall slay the murderer. When he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But look at this. But if he thrust him of hatred, if, if he hates him, he ain't supposed to kill him if he hates him. Or <coughs> hurl at him. Or ambushes him. Now the that, now the the, uh, the revenger of blood has done wrong. Or in enmity smite him with his hand and he die. He that smote him shall surely be put to death. Or he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. So the Lord didn't didn't mind the revenger of blood uh, doing the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth if the, if the person was a murderer, but he had rules for that encounter to happen. Okay? He had rules for that encounter to happen. Later on, uh, we're going to find out, and I don't know whether it's in Kings or Chronicles, 1st or 2nd Kings, 1st, I think it's in the probably 2nd Kings and 2nd Chronicles, uh, where uh, there was somebody that fled, uh, fled to the a city of refuge. He was found uh, innocent by the jury and they didn't let him go and he voluntarily came outside that city and the man the revenger of blood killed him. And they didn't do nothing to him so he never stayed in the city. 
And so this is the stipulation for all of, all of this, that if you go there, you got to stay in this city, and we're going to get into that in just a minute, uh, what would happen. Even if he's found not guilty? Even if he's found not guilty. Yes. If he wanted to stay safe, he had to stay in that city. Did, did, did he not have to stay there until the high priest died? Right. Until the high priest died, he was, let, he was allowed to leave the city. That's right. That's he right. Put out a contract on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I said the same thing, Bob. When the first time I read this, I said, well, I bet they was hoping that guy would die soon. <laughs> you know, but they, they were praying for the high priest to die. Anyway, we're, gonna, we're fixing to get into that stuff right now. Uh, so any questions about this? These are unusual laws to us and sound odd to us, but these are God's laws so we know they're fair. And uh, so he wanted everything to be up above board. He wanted the, the person who murdered was to die. And we're going to see why in a minute. Uh, somebody read for me verses 22 through 28, please. <clears throat> but if he thrust him suddenly without enmity or have cast upon him anything without laying of weight, or with any stone wherewith a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him that he died, and was not his enemy, neither shall his harm, neither sought his harm. Then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whether he was fled. And he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge, whether he fled, and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of his possession. All right, so we see this now that they had, this is the first judicial system or the jury system, if you will. Uh, there was, a, there was a, evidently a court held would determine if a man was a murderer or that they had accidentally killed somebody or not killed somebody on purpose. And if they had determined that they had uh, murdered somebody, they, they wouldn't let them in the city of refuge. They, they kicked them out and they had, to pick, they had to face the manslayer. How many of y'all ever watched the movie Jeremiah Johnson? you ever seen that show? you remember what happened when the Indians murdered his wife and, and little boy and he, he killed all of those Indians? Y'all remember what those Indians did? Y'all ain't seen the show, I'll tell you. They sent one warrior at a time to kill him. And they kept sending them. He kept killing the warriors that they sent, and they just kept sending them until he had killed so many of them that the last one they sent looked at him across there and, I ain't monkey with you. You bad, you bad news. And, and so they let it lay. They didn't, they didn't seek revenge anymore. So the, the American Indian in that movie had a, had a system similar to this right here. They had the avenger of blood, and they did it one man at a time. And that's the way this was. So if they found this man guilty of murder, he had to face, he could, they, they'd turn him loose, but the avenger of blood would find him, 
and call him out and kill him. That was the, the law. If that, if that man killed the avenger of blood, then there would be another avenger of blood that would come his way until somebody finally killed him, until justice was done. Okay? And so, uh, so if they found him innocent or they had killed somebody accidentally, then they said, they said, you can, we're going to deliver you back into the, the uh, city of refuge and you've got to stay there until the high priest, and it gives a stipulation here, what is it? The high priest who has been ordained by oil. In other words, an ordained high priest. There just couldn't be any high priest. It had to be the high priest that had been ordained uh, with the holy oil. Uh, and when this, this, this high priest died, uh, uh, then the, the man was allowed to go back to, the, uh, to his possession, to the land of his possession. He was allowed to go back. And then if the slayer, the blood slayer, came to find him and killed him, that made him a murderer, okay? And so there was, there was an incentive for him not to do that. So, uh, but it, then it says if he leaves the borders of the city before this high priest dies, that's what struck the court with Bob a while ago, then uh, if he leaves the borders of the city of his refuge, <coughs> the of blood kill him, he shall not be guilty of his blood. He ought to stay behind the walls of that city, okay? And this actually happens in Scripture later on. Uh, that, that, uh, that we'll see one, one of these days when we ever get there. Uh, so, and it makes a remark because he should have remained in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Alright? Now, now this is something that we need to pay attention to. God's rules are made to keep not to be broken. You hear that? Let me say that again. God's rules are made to keep not to be broken. These rules, as long as they were kept, that person was safe. When that person stretched the rules or broke the rules and they died, it was justified. Amen? Amen. It was on them. It was on them. Yeah. It was on them. You know, and, and when you look at these things right here, the God's, God required obedience even for these people who were considered <coughs> criminal by others. The, the obedience that, that he required, if they wanted to stay safe, he required them to obey. If they disobeyed, they could pay for it with their life and nothing would be done about it. Okay? That's something to think about, isn't it? And we, we look at obedience as, a, as something as a cheap commodity in our time. Amen? Obedience in our time, if you feel like obeying, you will. You'll pick and choose what you want to obey. We all do that, don't we? And if we decide we want to disobey, we'll do it. Boy, this is tough stuff here, isn't it? And if you think God is okay with that, like a lot of people teach, you're sadly mistaken. Amen? Amen. You're sadly mistaken if you think God's okay with that. He's not okay with that. I don't care what any preacher tells you. He's lying to you if he tells you he's okay with you disobeying him. He's not. Amen? Alright. Any questions about this stuff? Yeah. Go ahead. What's holy oil? 
Holy oil is the anointing oil that uh, that uh, the Lord told Moses and Aaron the ingredients. They were to, to take certain plants and, and get the oil out, and they were to use that to, to ordain them with. So especially, it's a, it's a, it was a concoction that was specially made. Yes, sir. And, and sometimes it was actually mixed with blood, and, and the Lord gave them a recipe for this, and it was the only oil he would accept as his ordination to somebody he had called into the priesthood. He even anointed the the uh, the uh, the stuff for the temple with that oil. They, they took hyssop and they dipped it in there and they splashed that stuff all Similar over. Similar with with holy water that the Catholics do. They, they wouldn't water. This was oil. Uh -huh. This was oil. And and sometimes it had it had even had fragrances mixed in with it. So it had a it had its own aroma. And it was the only oil in, in the Old Testament at this time that God would accept. Okay? Nothing else would, would work. They couldn't anoint it with anything but that oil. And, and I've always wanted to know the recipe, and what I found out when I got to looking at it, they don't know what the recipe was. Some of them plants that he identified, they don't even know what they are. And, and so uh, we don't really know what that is. So now, if you go into churches, they have uh, a bottle of oil. I've really thought about getting one here. Usually they have uh, uh, olive oil is what they usually have in their churches that they, and they'll well, take that, it. That come through my mind. I mean, I just wonder if, if that's, they had olives there. You know, I'm just yeah. kind of curious. Was it just olive oil? Yeah. Or some type of oil that would be cooking with yeah. or something? And so when, when the Bible says that the congregation will lay their hand, the elders of the church will lay their hand on you and anoint you with oil uh, for healing, that's what it's talking about, this, this formula of oil that they use. I don't know how that changed down through the centuries as they, as they got the olive groves and all that stuff. I'm sure that, that ingredients changed, but at this time, it was a certain ingredient that was in this oil. And that's the reason it made that remark that the high priest that had been anointed with that oil was the one that had to die. It didn't count when the rest of them died. Okay? Thanks, sir. Okay. All right, let's look at the, uh, this blood defiles the land. Somebody read for me verses 29 through 34. Oh, well. So these things shall be for a statute of judgment unto you throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Whoso killeth any person the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of the witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Moreover, ye shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. And ye shall take no satisfaction for him that is fled to the city of refuge that he should come again to dwell in the land until the death of the priest. So ye shall not pollute the land wherein you are, for the blood it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. Defile not therefore the land which ye shall inhabit, therein I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwelleth among the children of Israel. All right, so he, he makes a statement here we need to really pay attention to right now. You know, we all look at our nation and we think, oh my, what in the world has happened to our nation? Do we shed innocent blood? Yes. 
every day. 50 million of them a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Babies. Mm -hmm. What did that scripture say? That land will stay defiled. And the only thing that can cleanse that land is the blood of the one who shed it. That's strong stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That is strong stuff right there. The murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. He says, not one. If it's one against one, as he said, he said. So it's, that's why the Lord later on said at the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's the reason the number two is the, is the number of witness. There, not, there, there needs to be two people at least to, to say that somebody did something. Okay? It wouldn't be acceptable if only one person was a witness. It had to be two. And so that's the way God uh, tried to make things as fair as he could. And that way, if I had it in for Jim, I could accuse Jim of doing something. <laughs> And if, and if I didn't need another witness, I could get him killed because of that. Yep. But now me and Bob got together and said, Jim, they listen then. Because I know Bob wouldn't do what I'd do. <laughs> All right? So anyway, so but the, the thing I want you to look there is that the land was defiled by, by the blood of the person that was murdered or the, those that were murdered, and it could only be cleansed by the one, by the death, by the shedding of the blood of the one who shed that blood. Amen. Y'all see what Christ has done for us? Isn't that amazing? Because he took on that role of shedding his blood for us. Man. We, we, ought, to get, we ought to get on our knees every day and thank him for his blood. <clears throat> Every day. That's right. the Bible says we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Without that blood, you don't have redemption. Amen. Without that blood, we only are defiled, and our nation is defiled. All right. Let's go ahead and finish this chapter. Uh, somebody, uh, this book, somebody read for me. Uh, i tell you what, somebody read for me chapter 36. That ain't the 13 verses. I'll read it. Go for it. Now the chief fathers of the families of the children of Gilead, the son of Mashur, the son of Messiah, of the families of the son of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the leaders, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. And they said, The Lord commanded my Lord Moses to give the land as an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of our brother Zelothahad, to his daughters. Now if they are married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of their father of our fathers, and it will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they married. So it will be taken from the lot of our inheritance. And when the Jubilee of the children of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe and of which they marry. So their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. Then Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, What the tribe of the sons of Joseph speaks is right. 
This is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them marry whom they think best, but they may marry only within the family of their father's tribe. So the inheritance of the children of Israel shall not change hands from tribe to tribe, for every one of the children of Israel shall keep the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers, and every daughter who possesses an, an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be the wife of one of the family of her father's tribe, so that the children of Israel each may possess the inheritance of his fathers. Thus no inheritance shall change hands from one tribe to another, but every tribe of the children of Israel shall keep its own inheritance. Just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad, Formalah, Terzaz, Hagla, Milcah, and Noah. The daughters of Zelophehad were married to the sons of their father's brothers. They were married into the families of the children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's family. These are the commandments and the judgments which your Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Okay, so we remember we studied this earlier in chapter 27 about these daughters that approached Moses and said, what about us? Our, our father had no sons. Shall we lose our inheritance? And, and Moses thought, you know what, y'all are right. And he went to the Lord and the Lord agreed, y'all are right. So he, made, he allowed these women to receive the inheritance of their father. And the only way that this would take place is if, the, if their father had no son, okay? That's the only place it applied. And so how many of you ever heard of uh, somebody marrying for money? Married for position, married for prestige. Well, that ain't a new thing. It was that way back then too. And so they, they, this, this this man comes up and says, "Wait a minute, we haven't thought all this out. Are you gonna give this land to these women? And we know they're gonna get married. It was a prestigious thing for a woman in that day to marry and have children. It was a it was a place of honor for that woman that she would be able to do that for a man." And so he said, so you're going to let them marry uh, these other men and they're going to come in and be their husbands and they're going to take away the inheritance of, of their, their father and, and claim it for their tribe? <coughs> and Moses says, hmm, hadn't thought about that. It shows our need to communicate with one another, don't it? It shows the reason why the Lord has a church and we're supposed to be together and communicate with one another because we don't think everything and and others can see so so they 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 he took it under advisement and the lord gave him the judgment and he said you're right so these women can marry anybody they want to as long <laughs> as they're in their father's family they must choose men that are in their father's family and that way if when they marry a man because once they married a man the man took over everything okay and so it would stay in that family and that is the way the lord addressed this now here's something we need to notice the lord when he gave this inheritance i like this he gave it for 
keeps. They couldn't even give it away. Now listen to me. They could go in hot. They could put it up for collateral. But in the year of Jubilee, guess what happened? It went right straight back to them. Right straight back to them. God intended for them to keep that inheritance. I love this. Because see, that's the way He does our inheritance. Did y'all know that? Yeah. We, we've got an inheritance in glory through, the, through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior. And, and everybody around will tell you, oh, they'll take that away from you. Oh, you can lose that. Really? <laughs> Scripture don't buy that out, does it? You might not have never had it to start with, but He ain't going to take it away from you once you get it. Amen? Amen. You know why? Because they're going to be a year of jubilee for us. Uh-huh. Amen? I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to every day, aren't you? Jesus, come back and get us. That's going to be our year of jubilee. That's when we're going to receive the inheritance He's given to us. That's why He's got your name written in His book of life. That's why the carpenter, Jesus Christ, is up there building mansions right now. You can have a room if you want it on my mansion. I don't want a cabin in the hilltop. I don't want a cabin in the dale. I want my mansion. That's what he said. And they tried to change that to make it not as appealing to us. Amen? Did you know a lot of interpretation says he built rooms? That ain't what he said. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Amen. This time I checked the definition of a mansion didn't say nothing about no room. Well, do you think Christ really made a mistake no. when he said that? No. Do, do you think the interpreters of the King James Bible that interpreted through the Holy Ghost made a, do you think the Holy Spirit made a mistake when he let them interpret? No. Nowadays, these, these smart theologians, all them people back then were just idiots. They just don't understand languages like we do. <laughs> No, but I understand God and I understand the Holy Ghost and He don't make mistakes. Amen? Amen. I heard Oprah this week. I just turned it to one little segment. I didn't mean to be there. But she said, sure, He did. Oh, He did? She's telling all on gay people. Oh, yeah. That's what Oprah said. I said, no, look at here. I don't watch that kind of stuff. But I was turning to the cartoons for the kids and I landed on for that for just a minute. That just choked you up, you know. <laughs> Oprah knows. I tell you. Now she, she Oprah's got it. enough money, she trumps the Holy Ghost. That's, you didn't know that. that that's what it is right there. Yeah. That's what, that's what she thinks. Yeah, that's what she believes. That's what all those yo-yos in Hollywood believe that they trump the Holy Ghost. They trump God. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, some, some of these versions of the Bible, instead of being a version of it, it's perversion. That's exactly what there it was is. One that came out years ago. I think it was Good News for Modern Man, best I can remember. I could be wrong about the name of it. But in say like in the King James, it said they are the son of a perverse woman. In one of those versions years ago, it said they are a SOB. Hmm. So, there's a lot of these versions that are perversions. That's right. They're perversions. And they're, they're designed to change the Word of God yes. into the Word of man. To make things not look 
as bad as God said they would be. It's like begotten Son of God. Some of them doubt the Son of God. They've done away with the word begotten. Yeah. And a lot of other verses. Yeah, amen. Amen. Well, let's don't be fooled by that hogwash. And, yes, sir. Brother, don't I remember, uh, it seemed like the Good Samaritan, uh, when the priest came by, he had healing oil. They used oil and wine, I think. For healing wounds, is that? I, I just remember he was healing wounds. I don't, I don't know if he had oil with him. I don't remember. I think they had been, had uh, wine and oil that they treated wounds with. Mm -hmm. and brother, I'll have to reread it now and go find it, research it. Yeah. yeah, you can, you can look, look it up in, uh, uh, and it's in here early when he told them to to make this anointing oil. And he gives some of the ingredients in, but I don't know if it's all in there or not. It's all great to me. <laughs> so, anyway. Thank y'all for being here tonight. I hope you've enjoyed Hey, we're going to be in Deuteronomy mm -hmm. next week. Deuteronomy! Wow. One more book, and we'll be through with the book of the law. Amen. Would you stand? Brother Sam, would you dismiss it, please? Father, once again, we do want to thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be able to come together for the believers to hear your word talk, proclaim. We just thank you for Brother Gary and the time and effort he puts in to really study your word and bring things to us. We just thank you for different ones that has different comments from time to time that helps us to be in life what the scripture says. And Lord, you've heard the prayer request for different ones this evening, you know who they are in China. You know, Lord, you know everyone that's on the prayer list, both members and non-members. And Lord, we just ask that you to be a blessed and be merciful unto them. Lord, I, I know I can't, don't have any complaints about my life here. Bless me. And I just pray that you bless them abundantly also. And Lord, we go separate ways this evening, and we ask you to give us safe traveling place. Give us a good week there in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.